So the Vikings are 10-3. and three. Everything feels horrible. Defense is a horror show. They lost to the Lions. They didn't clinch the North. Uh, let's pick up the pieces and see if we can't come out of this a little more smoothed out, a little more chilled out. All right, we're going to have a nice relaxing episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast because I think we all need it. You like that on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. We're going to have chill vibes today, all right? Welcome in. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Just pick a few of your favorite players, whether they'll do better or worse than their Prize Picks projection. If you're right, you can get up to 10 times your money. First time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks by using promo code LOCKEDON. Again, at prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON, or on the Prize Picks app. You can also find Locked On Vikings on Amazon Fire or Roku if you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. We're on there. Okay. 34-23. Vikings lose by two scores in Detroit. Detroit gets to what five of six they've won now five five out of the last six. They're they're on a hot streak. They're just angling at that seven seed, uh, and the Vikings defense looks like a total horror show. Right? They've given up like thirty plus. They've given up over like five hundred or over four hundred yards in like five straight games. All sorts of gaudy stuff. Just video game numbers coming up against the Vikings. And it's not like I mean the Lions defense is good, but it's, uh, coming up to this, you know, they went up against. Jets and the Patriots that all did the same thing on them too. So like, oh my God, it's just so bad, right? And the conversation has gone to a to a fire at Donatel place a while ago, right? I had an episode of like three weeks ago that was like, should he be on the hot seat? So let's revisit that and we'll have that conversation. I'll also recap the game. We'll talk about that. There's a couple of um, decisions Kevin O'Connell made to talk about. There's some and to just go over, tell you if you, if I think that's right or wrong. Um, and also I think the game was truly decided by just some of the catastrophic moments that the Vikings had and I'll recap those for you. But I think the, the, the conversation people were really craving right now is the Adonatel one and I'm here to chill you out. All right. We're going to have chill, relaxed vibes. I'm going to get like a, a babbling brook or something and I'm going to put it under this and we're all going to be okay because ultimately the Vikings are 10 and three. Their clinching scenario is the exact same thing it was going into this week. A win, and you've clinched, or now a Lions loss and you've clinched, so go Jets. Uh, they will be the second seed, or if they lose a whole bunch and Brock Purdy turns out to be a big deal in San Francisco, they'll be the third seed. One seed seems a little bit out of reach now. Uh, so second or third seed in the NFC Vikings. That's pretty much glued down. So everything's going to be all right. Okay. That's that's where we're at so far. And that means the Vikings have like a month to get it together on defense. So that's nice. So we've got that. But we'll talk about like the coordinator, right? Now, people want to fire a coordinator. People want to fire a Donatel. And I hear you. I get it. Those are really bad stats, right? If your take, if your opinion on this is the defense is so bad, somebody's head's got to roll. And you're thinking about it like punitively. You're going to lose me. I'm never going to think about it punitively because the goal is not to dole out justice. The goal is not for things to be as, you know, well, you did bad, so you lose your job as possible. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. 
And firing your coordinator in the middle of the season is not a very good way to do that. I don't think anybody would, would tell you that. If you did fire Ed Donatel after the season, then yeah, we can talk about it then. It's Mike Pettin, man. You're, the, the alternative is Mike Pettin. There is a, no world where it's not Mike Pettin. Um, Mike Pettin is a big friend of Kevin O'Connell's. He's worked with uh, Quasi before, I believe. He is, um, you know, all the position coaches kind of came from that, like Packers side where where Pettin was. And he is like a major figure of the defensive staff. If you wanted to get rid of Donatel, you're just putting the dude with all the coordinator experience in instead of going on a whole new search for a new guy, right? Keep the scheme, keep the continuity, because we don't want to be in, everybody's in their first year in the scheme and we're struggling with that, right? And and that's really what's going on with the defense. My question is, to what end, right? Are you making the defense better? Not if you do it in the middle of the season. And if you do it after the season, then you're either bringing in Mike Pettin, which there's your continuity option, you make of that what you will, all right? If you want to be a diehard Mike Pettin stan, go for it, but you have to bite that bullet. You, there's no way out. Unless you want to go say, you know, we're going to go find another guy who runs the Fangio scheme because we can't teach a new scheme and also that won't change any of the way that ways that they read and won't really change anything that the players are learning because otherwise they're going to go back to square one and they're going to be having the same problems. Uh, but he'll just like do it better. Like you have to thread such a needle. The The... I think what people want when they say fire a Donatel is fix the defense. And that's the only solution that, that you can come up with. If the only solution you can come up with is to fire a guy, then let's try a little harder. Right. And I think we can, you and I together, we can find something that's a little better than that because I agree the defense is broken and it needs to be fixed, but canning the guy, putting a new guy in charge of it. Let's put it that way. Putting a new person in charge of it is not going to fix it. That's not the Band-Aid. That's an axe. Um, and when the only tool you have is an axe, it becomes very hard to be a repairman. So how to fix the defense is a way longer question than we have time to get into today, but that's going to be a focus of the week. It's like, okay, what's wrong? How do you fix it? I have some more salient suggestions than that that the Vikings can implement for free. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to comfort, and they have a month left to get a little more comfortable and start reading a little bit faster which makes for the, like the counterintuitive point, which is you probably shouldn't start changing a whole bunch of things when the problem is rooted in guys need to get used to it more. Um, and I know that sounds counterintuitive, right? And it sounds like, you know, oh, definition of insanity and all that stuff. But to me, the definition of insanity would be going with a first time DC over and over again and expecting guys to learn stuff faster. Right. Um, but instead they have a, a month and we can just call it a training month right? Call it like we just need to get our stuff together. We only need to win, win one game. Shoot, we don't even really need to win one game because <laughs> we just need the Lions not to win out, right? And we'll be the second seed, maybe the third seed, whatever, but let's get it together, right? Because home field advantage won't matter if you're playing defense like this because this is, Kevin O'Connell said it, it's not even coming from me. That wasn't a playoff effort. Um, so let's talk about the game then. Let's talk about that effort. And in particular, I want to talk about some of the catastrophes and some of the, the coaching decisions that, you know, the fourth downs and going for two down eight, the onside kick. We'll, we'll go into them and, and what happened and just go over like the arguments about what those decisions are. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Before we get into any of that, though, I want to talk to you about the best car sharing marketplace out there. It's Turo. Turo 
is a place where you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can get an SUV or a minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, maybe even tech test drive an electric car if you're into that, uh, or if you're just looking for you know hybrid or whatever and you're, you just want to test drive a car and see what you're looking for, you can do that as well. Or if you just need to get from point A to point B in an affordable way, you can do that as well. Uh, sometimes Turo hosts will even deliver their car directly to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. There's also a whole bunch of new podcasts brought to you by Audible. And this episode is brought to you by Audible. I want to talk about Think Like a Champion. It's a brand new podcast from Russell Wilson, um, who is, of course, a Super Bowl champion. And he talks to other champions like Tim Tebow, NCAA champion, Olympic medalist, stuff like that, talking about the grind, the path to greatest greatness, a, a little bit more of a nitty gritty conversation than what you would find in, you know, a, a nice produced ESPN piece or, or a press conference or something like that. And they will share proven mental techniques that have gotten them to perform at their best. So if you want to learn how to think like a champion, then check it out. Available for free on Audible or wherever you get your podcasts. So head over to Locked On Presents, by the way, to get a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion or catch the full series available wherever you get your podcasts. Available everywhere now. Audible, get in the game. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, why don't you go check out Locked On Sports today? They're talking about all things all around the world of sports, all the biggest stories, biggest games, and everything in 30 minutes or less available wherever you find your favorite shows. And also check me out on Patreon, all right? There's some more filmy stuff that I want to get into that is just not appropriate for a podcast format, for this format. Um, and so that has become the place where I can really dive into stuff in a way that I can't do here. Please go check it out. Um, everything that I have done so far is free to watch over there. Uh, join if you can. I would appreciate your support. And then follow along with me. If you if you do join, you can follow along with me as I break down this Lions game. That's kind of how the cadence works. So I want to talk about the coaching decisions. And the first one I want to do is not like a play-calling decision. It's the decision to treat this game like a meaningless one. And that's not, I'm not speculating there. That was very clearly the message coming out of Kevin O'Connell leading up to the game, that this is not a, a chance to clinch the North. They're not taking it, treating it like this big deal, that it was a... Just another one. We just want to be one to know every week, and that's it. And it was also kind of a, a message sent with the injury behaviors. Garrett Bradbury was very close to being able to play in this game, and he didn't. Harrison Smith, very close to being able to play in this game, and he didn't. They were very cautious with them. Now, when you've got the lead you have in the division, absolutely the right move. And I'm definitely not saying that it wasn't, wasn't the right move. But it does, a, a side effect of that move, and this is worth it to keep guys healthy, is that it is a it sends a message that it's okay if we lose this one. And the Lions came out playing like it was in the playoffs because their backs are against the wall. I mean, they cannot afford to lose another game. They're hanging on by a thread and in the hunt graphics and their best bet is to win out, get to nine and eight and hope they get enough help, right? So they're cornered animals <laughs> and they played like it. And this is not the first time the Vikings have looked like the team playing way less hard. Um, and don't even take my word for it. Paul Krause said that on Twitter after. If you want a, a, a real tough guy <laughs> saying it, because it's not me, take Paul Krause's word for it. The Vikings simply did not play hard enough in this game. And I think ultimately there wasn't enough of an effort to 
approach this game like something the Vikings had to win, to approach this game knowing that you're going to find an, a, an opponent that's caged and cornered and that they're going to fight and scrap for every yard and that the only way to beat that is to do it yourself. So I was really disappointed in that. I, I think it was a low-energy game, and I didn't like that uh, part of the effort. Not that sitting the players is wrong, but if you're going to do that, you got to make sure that the team understands, you know, you got to be able to send that, that, that message a little different, but let's talk about the, the coaching decisions themselves. So the big, one of the big ones that people were arguing with me about during the game, at least was the fourth and one on the first drive. The Vikings go for it. They call his own run. It doesn't make it. Um, Jeff Okuda gets Dalvin cook well short, right? So there's a, a few things on this for one. I'm not going to go into should you or shouldn't you go into it on fourth down. There's like 10 people who have made like win probability based models that are going to have a way more consistent answer to that stuff. And I would be going on vibes like go go look up whether it was a good go or not on those. Right. That's not what I'm here for. What I want to talk to you about is a the idea of going for it or not. If you didn't like going for it, if you got just too risky, just take your points. Then I have to ask you how you felt about the Adam Thielen touchdown that was a fourth and four in or near the red zone, it was like right down there, that turned into a touchdown throw. Did you like that one? Because you probably aren't going, God, that was so dumb to go for it there. Um, unless you just hate going for all fourth downs, in which case I would love to hear from you on that. Uh, or if you love going for all fourth downs and you think they should have gone for all of them and there's a couple of fourth and shorts they didn't go for that maybe you should have, um, like after the Justin Jefferson had uh, the the review where he was coming back to the ball and he didn't quite make it. There was a play that he was, um, it was like a third and 13. Kirk Cousins made a great play to scramble out, throw it to Justin Jefferson, but he had to come back to the ball for it because it was a scramble drill and that's what you're taught to do um, and to catch it on the sideline and, and he caught it and his momentum took him over the uh, first down line to gain and so it ended up being a fourth and one. They were on like their own 20 and they punted it. Um, a lot of, Models might say maybe you should go for that. To me, I just defer to the model, and I, don't, I just don't have the energy to get into the minutia of that. But for that first one, the zone out of shotgun is what people had a lot more problem with. Is oh my god, why are you running outside zone out of shotgun? A shotgun run because it takes so much longer to get your momentum going versus an under center run is just gonna be harder, right? That's the the argument is that it, it takes longer for you to catch get the snap, give it to the running back. That mesh point is going to be slow, and then the running back is that much later to get up to speed. So it just takes him longer to get to the point of attack, and it's faster for people to do that. Now, that when it's a zone run out of shotgun, most of the movement is lateral, so that shouldn't matter unless he is, and Dalvin Cook did this, unless he's, <clears throat> unless he's bending the, um, the run back immediately because things didn't go right on the front side. And that's what happened. So he bends the run back immediately, and then it just looks like he's getting the ball and running straight forward. The problem here to me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the Vikings were outgapped, uh, which is to say that the box had one more guy in it than the Vikings had blockers for. So they had a guy for every gap, and somebody is going to be unaccounted for. That somebody was Jeff Okuda. There's a few ways to approach that. Um, you could have checked out of it. I would have loved to see that. I would even like to see like, ah, all right, we're out gapped. This play's not going to work. Let's just take our delay of game and kick a field goal or timeout and kick a field goal, pick your poison. I would have taken that. 
Um, if they did have a check at the line of scrimmage, I would have loved for that to happen, but you don't always, and I, I don't know. Um, or, stop me if this sounds like a crazy idea, your highly paid running back could beat a cornerback in the hole in an Oklahoma drill for a yard. I would love that. I think it was a pretty bad moment for uh, Dalvin Cook to not be able to fight through the contact of Jeff Okuda and a good play for Okuda. Um, but here's what I'll say about this and and what I'll say about um, the, the d- non-go-for-it that I was talking about like back at the 20 and all of these. Don't react based on how it went. That's that's the advice here is is don't react based on how it wasn't wrong to go for it when you didn't get it and it wasn't right to go for it when you did. And if you ask somebody if they thought that they would probably say no, of course. But for me, you have to look at all the things that could have happened and judge them on that, which brings us to the going for two down eight thing. Now, There's a lot of literature on this. So just look up football going for two down eight google it you'll find a million articles that describe this better than i can but here is the best way i know how to do it let's say i give you fifty dollars and i say before i give you this fifty dollars i'm going to make you give you a chance to make it a hundred dollars on a coin flip but you have to bet that fifty dollars so you'll lose it if you're wrong and i don't know what kind of degenerates you all are maybe you'll take that maybe you won't um but let's say you're like, nah, I'll just take my $50, thanks. And I say, well, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. If you're wrong, I'll give you a chance to go double or nothing. Or if, you're, if you lose the first coin flip, I'll give you a second chance to go double or nothing. Um, would you rather take that deal or the deal where it's just a raw coin flip, right? That's essentially the calculus here. And if you'll think about it for a second, think about the, the, the decision tree, there are four kinds of outcomes there. You either win the first one, lose the second one, the other way around, you win both or you lose both, right? Those are the four things that can happen and they're all equally probable. Well, if you win the first one, you're not gonna flip the second one. And it's the same thing with two-point conversions. You get the first one, you're not gonna go for it again. You already got your advantage. So in 50% of situations, you come out ahead. Set those aside. Now let's say you lose the first one. Well, in half of those situations, you go for it again and you get it, right? So in a quarter of the situations, you come out as in a wash. So it's either a wash or a head 75% of the time. And 25% of the time, you go down uh, by two points you otherwise wouldn't have had. So it's good half the time, it's a wash a quarter of the time, and it's bad a quarter of the time. Do that every time. That's the point of going for two down eight. And uh, he... The, the play call was fine. It's a pretty standard goal line, like tunnel screen thing. I think Thielen just didn't get his acceleration right. I think it just wasn't quite timed right. It wasn't quite polished enough, and the Lions made a good play. Finally, the onside kick at the end. Uh, so the situation was the Vikings were trailing by um, two touchdowns. They get a touchdown. Then they had, like... Two timeouts and about two minutes left on the clock. So it was enough time to theoretically get a stop and get the ball back, right? But the question was, do you kick it deep and make it so that they have to go the length of the field or whatever? Or do you try to do an onside kick and just steal the possession back? Vikings go for an onside kick. They don't get it. The Lions get a first down, run the clock down to basically nothing, and kick a field goal to ice it. So they get super, super punished for this. The calculus for me comes down to... Again, what are all the things that could have happened when you made that decision? Because you obviously aren't going to do it if you know it's not going to work out, right? 
Uh, but we don't get to be psychic. We have to think about the information we had at the time. So the world where you kick it deep, and the same thing happens. The Lions get one first down, but they don't get another one, and they punt it back. You have about 17 seconds to do a lateral play or whatever that ended up happening, and, and maybe you can get it. Um, the field goal that they got isn't very material in that situation, right? And I'm thinking about a world where the, the... And like that's the most material that the field goal ever was. But the world where you go for the onside kick and you get it, remember, they could have gotten it, is obviously like a way superior thing. So there's the, the only like material change to the flow of the game is getting the onside kick that's available. And I don't think missing it mattered very much, even though it made it so that that final drive was meaningless. That final drive was already kind of meaningless. They weren't getting that touchdown in 17 seconds. That's miracle territory anyways. And it's as unlikely as an onside kick is, that's even less likely. So I'm okay with the onside kick. And I don't think that it mattered very much in the grand scheme of things. Um, and if it, the, the only chance it had to matter would have favored the Vikings, which means I'm good with chasing that variance. So there were some, the, the, the game isn't hinging on that stuff for me, though. It's hinging on the catastrophic bull crap that kept happening to them. And there were so many meltdown moments in this game that really got me worked up, but oh, we're doing this. We're going to be okay. Woosa, woosa. It's going to be a, a, a chill thing. And we're going to talk about what happened on those plays and, and see how concerned we should be about them for the actual time it's going to matter, which is the postseason. Um, but hey, first, let's talk about prize picks, which is Daily Fantasy made easy. Daily Fantasy is annoying, usually, when you're doing it the standard way where you have to enter a pool with a bunch of people, fill out a whole lineup. How about just pick a few of your favorites and whether or not they do better or worse than their prize picks projection. If you said more than on uh, Justin Jefferson in any category, you would have hit it here because he got 223 yards, which is a single game regular season record. Four yards short of the full single-game record, which was Anthony Carter's in uh, the playoffs in that famous game in 1987. And uh, if they didn't call Justin Jefferson out of bounds when he wasn't on a play in the fourth quarter, that would have been a touchdown. If he had, he would have got like 33 more yards, he would have hit the record. So, you know, that's about the maddest I've been at a ref, probably outside of the Washington play where he hit somebody. But either way, you would have hit on prizepicks.com. Prizepicks has more than just football, too. They've got everything all the way down to esports, cricket, and basketball, hockey, and of course, all the football pro and college that you could want. So head on over to prizepicks.com. Use promo code locked on. You can get a 100% match up to 100 bucks. That's uh, put in 100 bucks, get 100 bucks slapped right on top of it on your first deposit, put in 50, get 50, etc. That's promo code locked on at prizepicks.com or on the prizepicks app. Hey, if you want to win a Vikings jersey, I'm doing this and it's running out of time. Um, check out the link in the description. Donate to my favorite bunny charity in LA and uh, tell me that you donated with a screenshot and I'll enter you in a raffle to win a jersey. Pretty cool stuff. Um, let's talk about the catastrophes of this game. So, <sighs> no, we're going to be okay. We're going to be calm. We're going to chill. All right. I might need to bring the babbling book, Brooke, back. <laughs> the... The Vikings had a lot of total messes in this one. Um, and the first one was a busted coverage for a free touchdown to Jamison Williams. So now Jamison Williams is first and only NFL catch, I believe, uh, is a touchdown. So great, which is makes the trade look that much worse, which so that hurts too. Although I don't really care about it. Um, I care about the players. The Vikings gotten their hurt. So we'll check back on them later. 
the bust, uh, Kevin O'Connell said that they were in a quarters structure, which is interesting because usually they're in quarter, quarter, half, but they were in a quarters structure and they got one of the safeties to nail down. That safety was Josh Metellus. So essentially, they got Josh Metellus to play something underneath, and he was then abandoned his deep responsibility. And in a quarters structure, there's nobody there kind of covering your ass. So you're, you, you have um, no safety net. If you nail down and you go underneath for something and they hit you over the top where you were supposed to be, it's just a touchdown. Um, that's what happened there. The uh, next big long touchdown was Cam Dantzler getting totally posterized by DJ Chark. That sucks. <laughs> like that. There's not much to say about it. Again, they were in a structure, looked like a single high structure to me. I could only see so much on TV, which would mean that Cameron Dantzler's alone on the outside, that it's his job to, to cover that go ball. Um, and he just didn't commit fast enough. And his turn, his like actual hip turn, was just stiff and not fast enough. So he just kind of got beat over the top. And the throw was perfect, so it was in stride, so he had no shot at it. Touchdown, Lions. And for a while, that was like the only real offensive production that they had. For a while, the defense was really holding up. And their only offensive production was like one major mistake and one busted coverage, right? So two major mistakes was all they made. Turned into a lot of yards, but it was like, hey, maybe that'll like even out a little bit. And then it just kind of got worse and worse and worse from there. All sorts of throws over the middle. We've talked about that all year. But what bugged me was they really got caught off guard the Vikings did on a fourth and seven on a fake punt. It was just a sweep to the outside instead of the punt. And I don't know, somebody had told me that the lions huddle on their punt, like the punt team huddles after their punter goes back, which is, I'm not super used to seeing that, but apparently the lions have been doing it all day. So it wasn't a trip an alarm bell for the Vikings seemed like the latest they did it. Cause it was at least the first time I saw it on the TV camera. So I don't know, but we can look at the special teams tape later if we really want to investigate that, but it felt like that's a tell. And also the jet motion or the, the setup was a little funky. There was some stuff that smelled fishy and they should have been on it and they weren't on it fast enough. And not only did it turn into a first down, but it turned into like an explosive 40 yard gain. So that kind of thing can happen. Whatever led to that. Um, and the Lions do this like they Kevin O'Connell said we knew going in they were going to try to steal a possession. So it's not like this should really kept, catch you that far off guard. You should be on guard for that kind of thing. Um and then the pop pass. So this is sort of a coach decision, sort of a catastrophe thing. But first and goal from the three, they give it to Dalvin Cook. Johnny Munt is leaking out, and Dalvin Cook's going to throw it. But as he's trying to throw it, he gets the ball whacked out of his hands, and it gets, it bounces around like 20 yards back, and the Lions recover. And they ended up getting a field goal attempt out of that at the end of the half. It missed, thank goodness, but still, you totally lost a possession there. So let's talk about the pop pass. It's very cute. Goal line's the place for cute stuff. I, I Nobody would hate it if it were. They'd be, oh, what a ballsy call if it worked, right? Um, unless you can look me dead in the eye and say that you would look at a Dalvin Cook throwing to Johnny Munt touchdown and say, I didn't like that. You can't really complain about this in hindsight. I just don't think it's valid. Um, but there is a, an argument that somebody brought up that, that, that I found convincing, um, somebody I was talking to on Twitter, was the way the time was had worked out in that 
running the ball once and then doing that play on second down would have been more ideal because, again, if something goes wrong, that's less time they have to work with it, and you have to be worried about that. Although Kevin O'Connell said after the game, we practiced that a ton, and I wasn't too worried about it. Um, you know, I had a lot of confidence that was good in practice. We, we like, practiced that a lot. It's not an on-a-whim thing. You're not going to Dalvin Cook and saying, hey, for the first time in your life, throw. Like, they've been doing it all week, and they were going to pull it out at some point, right? Um, the timing angle though is good. It leaves you a little bit more safety and it's still second down. And and so if something does go wrong, you still do have third down to have another shot at the end zone. So it's not the only thing you got, right? Um, so I, I'm definitely okay with the pop pass. I think running it once and then doing it on second down is pretty good. So I, even with the benefit of hindsight, I think that's a a fair criticism on Kevin O'Connell, but on the whole, I don't think this is about O'Connell mismanaging the game or anything, and I don't even think he did mismanage the game. I think the situational stuff that he did makes a lot of sense to me, uh, as long as you're willing to overlook how it ended up and look at how it could have ended up. I think ultimately, this game came down to the Lions playing a cleaner game. They made less mistakes, they played their game, they executed it better. We had a whole bunch of catastrophic screw-ups, a whole bunch of foobar moments. You cannot have foobar moments and expect to win a game. It's just not good enough. Um, the secondary needs to be made to feel bad. They did a bad job, and they should feel bad. <laughs> so I joked on Twitter. They should get Mike Zimmer back in the building just for a day, so that because all we know he's very good at making players feel bad. And he should go go in and do that real quick. I know he's not doing anything right now, and with uh, Dion leaving Jackson State, but <laughs> that's where I feel right now. Um, Busted coverages, uh, Cam Bynum giving up a terrible slant in the in the red zone. I, I could go on, right? I could recap this game blow by, blow by blow, but you don't want to relive it, right? So let's just talk about it in your questions tomorrow. Send me questions that you have about this game or about anything on Twitter at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings or send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. Fill up the Google form in the show notes. Leave a YouTube comment if that's what you're into. Uh, I'll, I'll see it there as well. Um... I'll answer those questions tomorrow. We'll do Twitter Tuesday. And then um, FYI, I will be on the road a little bit later this week. We'll still have shows and everything, but it'll be a different backdrop. Might be a different vibe, kind of. Um, So, you know, be patient with me if the sound quality or the the video quality changes. Don't be alarmed. It's all going to be okay, all right? That is the lesson. It's all going to be okay, all right? And as always, skull.